Welcome to the Oxford Sidebar podcast for September 2015 from the Oxfordshire branch of the British Science Association. Our speaker this month is Dr. Martin Graff, who spoke to us on the psychology of romantic attraction. We hope you enjoy. We're the Oxfordshire branch of the British Science Association, and we run sidebars here once a month up in the Blue Room at St. Albert's Tavern. And it's a pleasure tonight to introduce to you Dr. Martin Graff. He's uh, joined us all the way from the University of South Wales on such a rainy day, where he's a reader and also a head of research in psychology. Um, Martin is a clinical psychologist and also an associate fellow at the British Psychological uh, Society, which I think. Um, and he has loads of experience in a variety of different areas, but in particular, he's got an expertise in our online interactions and how we uh, interact with websites, how we learn from websites, but also how we uh, romantically connect online and also unconnect or disconnect as well. Um, and so tonight we're going to have a fascinating talk about the psychology of uh, romantic attraction, I believe both online as well as offline. And, uh, and thank you all for coming. For, uh, for coming. Uh, I'm going to start by telling my, my, uh, my joke. I apologise if you've heard it. Um, it's about a shopping Cardiff which um, sells husbands and the deal is that um, there are different husbands on different floors of the shop and females can go into the shop to buy a husband. Okay, we've got the floors but the escalators don't come back down again. All right? So that's, that's the kind of way it works. So females go into the shop, we've got them on the first floor. On the first floor it says, uh, on this floor there are husbands who are fantastically attractive and good looking. Great. She must think that's, that's, that's great, but I think I've just got to the next floor. On the next floor, it says uh, on this floor, there are husbands who are fantastically attractive and good looking and who have money and resources and good jobs. Wow. I think I might just go up to the next floor, see what's on the next floor. On the next floor, it says on this floor, there are husbands who are um, amazingly attractive and good looking, have money, uh, status, and good jobs, and who like children. Okay. You must think, wow, this, this, this just gets better and better. I think I've got to the, 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 the last floor, uh, and we've got to the, uh, the fourth floor. On the fourth floor it says, uh, there are no husbands on this floor, this floor is merely to demonstrate that females are never satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and so, apologies for my, my sexism there, uh, just to kind of redress that. There's a shop across the road which sells wives, okay, and the same deal applies, and uh, males go into the shop and go up to the first floor. On the first floor it says, uh, on this floor there are wives who like sex, and no man's ever gone past the <laughs> um, Which kind of demonstrates or illustrates in some ways um, what sort of evolutionary psychologists uh, tell us about attraction, which I'll come on to a little bit later on. Um, I'm going to talk about um, sort of attraction research historically, um, then a little bit about um, why maybe attraction is important, um, a little bit about sort of what females and what males want in attraction, um, uh, some other uh, features to do with attraction and a little bit about sort of you know how you know, and if we can be attractive online. Okay. <clears throat> so prior to about uh, 1980, which probably none of you uh, will remember, uh, most of the attraction research was focused on a couple of things. Uh, one thing was to do with um, proximity. Okay. And psychologists, well, told us that we're more likely to become attracted, or more likely rather to marry people who live close to us. Well, really. You know, are you going to marry someone who's in Australia? I don't know, unlikely, isn't it? So, you know, they said, well, 
people who live close by are more likely to get married. Okay? Is that attraction? I don't know, but you know, that's what they say. Um, I suppose rather more interestingly in terms of what we call proximity, um, some people call Storms and Thomas did some research which told us that you know, if, you, if you're nice to somebody and you sit close to them, okay, then they like you more um, than if you're nice to them and you sit further away. Okay, so that's one maybe take on message tonight. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sit close to them if you want to be nice to them and they'll like you more. Um, also, if you're going to be horrible to them, sit close to them okay, and they'll hate you more if you sit close to them and they're horrible. Okay. <coughs> Okay, so proximity is one, one factor in attraction. Uh, another factor, factor is familiarity. So in other words, the more we see somebody, um, the more uh, we're going to get to like them. Okay, and years ago, um, people sort of studied this by you know, getting research assistants, assistants to come into lectures. Okay, and one experiment, they got somebody to come in 15 times, uh, somebody asked to come in 10 times, somebody asked to come in 5 times, somebody asked to come in not at all. And surprise, surprise, when they asked the students at the end of the course, uh, which one, which person they liked most, it was the person who came in 15 times. Okay, so rather illustrating that familiarity, in other words, the more you see somebody, then uh, <clears throat> the more you get to like them. Okay, so if you want uh, someone to like you, okay, then you'll be familiar in their world. So you keep sort of propping up me again. Uh, you know, I'm here again, type of thing. Um, on that same point, um, a research called Olson did some research in a bar, okay, um, which told us that we like people more okay, uh, as the night progresses. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so 7 o'clock, you go in the other, you look at somebody, you go in the other, okay, 8 o'clock, you're not bad, 9 o'clock, yeah, they're quite nice, really, uh, 10.30, you know, they're the love of your life. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, and you're going to say yeah, alcohol, but they did factor out alcohol as a... As a, as a it's a confounding variable in, in that, so it was nothing to do with alcohol, it was merely to do with familiarity. Okay, so people get to like each other more uh, the more they see each other. Okay, and the third thing um, is to do with similarity. So uh, when people talk about opposites attracting, uh, there's no real evidence to suggest that opposites attract. Okay, but more likely, more likely, I know you, you can point out, point out um, exceptions to the rule, but generally people uh, match up in terms of similarity, in terms of similarity in the way they look, in terms of similarity um, in attitudes and similarities of interests. People are more likely to match up if they are similar. Okay, so the, uh, when people say opposites attract, there's very little evidence for that whatsoever. Um, people are, however, attracted to those who might be sort of complementary to them. Okay, so in other words, um, if you sort of, uh, you know, with somebody and you like cooking and they like washing up, Okay, so that was what sort of you know, psychologists told us about attraction. Those are kind of three things they told us about attraction until about some 1980-ish. Um, after that, um, <coughs> a guy called David Buss um, uh, came up with this sort of evolutionary psychology kind of uh, perspective on attraction, um, which told us that there were differences in what males and females uh, wanted in terms of attraction. Um, um, which goes back to my little sort of joke earlier on, okay, about what males and females want. Okay? So in other words, what he was saying was that uh, you know, in a revolutionary past, okay, um, females want uh, to um, sort of reproduce and have children with males with good genes, so they're sort of good-looking, good genes. Um, they need to have resources, they need to provide, okay, and thirdly, they need to stick around. 
Okay, because if they stick around, okay, it's not good in having somebody who's got good genes and got good resource, you know, resources, but then they don't, they don't stay. Okay, so they've got to stay as well. So those three things. For, for males, as I said earlier, it's mainly females um, you know, who are attractive. That's, that's apparently or, or, or you know, a sort of shallow male people are looking for in, in, in attraction. Um, and there's a study I was thinking of by uh, La Chera, I think they're called, <coughs> where what they did, they presented um, females with males uh, doing five different things. Okay? I think the conditions were something like um, they were um, sort of leaning forward, like that. they were um, interacting with an 18-month-old child, or they were ignoring a child who was crying, um, they were just standing alone, or they were vacuuming a rug. Okay. And they asked uh, females, um, you know, do you want um, any of these men, these five men, okay, uh, what was it, I think it was for a date, um, for a sexual partner, uh, for a marriage partner, as a friend, and, or a neighbour. Okay. Various combinations, but a big association between marriage partner and the man who was interacting with the 18-month-old child, okay. which kind of suggests that females want males who will engage with and will uh, invest time in children. Female preferences for males apparently change over, over the month, monthly cycle. Okay? So when females are ovulating, apparently, um, you're more likely to be attracted to males who are sort of good-looking, and got deep voices, and sort of have you know, what we might call sort of good genes. Okay? So the rest of the month, fine, any, you know, somebody's got money and things. Okay? But you know, you do an ovulation, okay, then it's going to be somebody's good-looking, uh, got good genes. Okay, so um, why why is uh, why is attraction important? Um, well, a couple of reasons. Firstly, uh, apparently, it's to do with what we call aesthetic appeal. Okay, uh, really, that some people think you know they want somebody nice looking. Okay, um, it's just because you know if you have like a nice car. Okay, I've got a new car. It's a nice looking car. I have a new girlfriend. I have a new boyfriend. We're nice looking. Okay, so aesthetic appeal. You can sort of show off. You're sort of aesthetically appealing new partner, okay? You walk around, parade around town with your sort of, you know, nice uh, you know, new partner. Okay, so it's aesthetic appeal. Um, the other thing, um, why uh, attraction is important is because there's, there's um, a sort of stereotype called the what is beautiful is good stereotype, okay? Uh, and it's been shown that people who are physically attractive tend to be... Uh, thought of as more sociable, more intelligent, uh, more witty, any other sort of positive trait you, you think can be associated with that. Okay. Do you think there's any truth in that? The physically attractive people are, are those those things? Maybe they get to be because of the interaction. Yeah, yeah, you're right actually, yeah. So there's that kind of what we call self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? That um, you know people who are um, physically attractive, and we tend to treat them like that, and then they start to think, well, hey, um, oh, maybe I am pretty intelligent, maybe I am pretty social, okay, maybe, maybe I am good after all. Okay, so there's that kind of thing. So because they treat them like that, they actually become like that. Okay, um, also, um, yeah, we tend to think of them as well as being rather more socially skilled than other people. Okay, so there's all those sort of positive traits which you know we sort of you know sort of hook on to people who are physically attractive, and then they kind of you know, begin to sort of take on that mantle anyway. And thirdly, um, there's what's called the social profit hypothesis. Okay, so being physically attractive, if you know somebody who's physically attractive, um, apparently so the evidence uh, tells us, if somebody's physically attractive and you want to hang around with somebody who's physically attractive, people will see you as being slightly more physically attractive as well. If you hang around with someone who's not attractive, okay, then it's to your detriment. 
So, I said that rather cruelly. Um, but, um, you know, so hang around with someone who's physically attractive and you'll be thought of as slightly more physically attractive. Um, it only really works if it's somebody slightly more attractive. So, in other words, if you think like you're a five, okay, you're going to hang around with somebody who's a nine, okay, then there's going to be a big comparison. Right? So, you know, it's not going to work for you. Okay, so if you're, a, if you're a five, hang around with a six and all that, and then that'll pull you up a bit. Okay. Um, rest assured that the effect is sort of fairly sort of short lived. You know, obviously, when people get talking to people, that, that effect you know, doesn't last. Um, works, works more for, um, sadly, for, for males with females than for females with males. So, in other words, males uh, hanging around with females who are more attractive, that kind of works. Females hanging around with males who are more attractive, I'm afraid, because uh, it doesn't work in, in, in the same way. Okay, uh, and there are um, services uh, called, uh, I don't know if you come across these things, uh, your wing women services, okay, where you can go to a pub, um, if you've got the money, you can sort of hire a couple of girls to come with you and sort of, you know, drape them around you, okay, that makes you more attractive to other women, apparently. Um, the, the, the reason being is because um, they see you as being like what we call a, a pre-approved male, okay, you know, so uh, yeah, okay, so, you know, well, you know, if, if other women are going to hang around with you, then you must be, you must be okay. Okay, um, anyway, some other features of, a tr of, a, of attraction. Um, apparently smell is, is important as well. And I, I, you know, I'm sure everyone's taking a shower and things. And, uh, and when, I talk about, when I talk about smell, it doesn't mean, you know, your kind of, um, you know, um, eau de toilette from uh, Roxanne, from Provence, that kind of, you know, it's the way you kind of smell naturally, okay? Uh, and in terms of sort of compatibility with somebody else, okay? Um, the way you smell, apparently, I don't know much about the biology about this, but is, you know, is an indication of you know, the type of immune system you have. Okay? Uh, what we don't want to do, from an evolutionary point of view, is to you know, um, um, reproduce with people with similar immune systems because then we can have offspring with weak immune systems. Okay? What we want to do is, is, uh, is reproduce with people with, with complementary immune systems. Okay? So the people who smell best to you naturally of those people with complementary immune systems. Sorry, so go around good. Is it what sorry? I'm aware of the study of that in mice. Yeah, yeah. Also been Indeed. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention was was, was humour. Okay, that um, uh, human interaction. Everybody says, oh, you know, you like somebody with a good sense of humour, yeah. Okay, and if you look at uh, you know dating websites and back to sort of your personal ads uh, way back, everybody says I think there's a sort of uh, little sort of uh, acronym is it GSOH, good sense of humour. Want some of the good sense of humour, right? Okay, we all want that. We don't want some of this miserable. Anyway, do we? we want some of the good sense of humour. You know, somebody says. Okay, um, when we talk about good sense of humour, um, there are sort of, sort of different things. So we're going to try a little little bit of uh, participation now, a little experiment, which. Um, I'd say in advance, never, ever, never works. <laughs> we'll try it again. Okay, uh, I'll read you the scenario and I want you to pick uh, one or two options, okay? So imagine you're in a situation in which you're choosing between two potential dating partners. In all respects, they're equal, equally physically attractive, intelligent, interesting, friendly, passionate, caring, and stuff, fantastic people, right? Uh, and so on. Uh, only two differences between them in how much they make you laugh and how much. Uh, they laugh at your humour. Okay? So the first person, okay, so this is the first person, and you've got to vote for the first or second person. The first person is great to make you laugh, you think they're very funny, but they don't laugh all that much when you joke around. Um, they listen attentively to you, but when you joke around, 
you rarely get more than a smile from them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Second person. Uh, laughs at all your jokes. They obviously think you're a very funny person. However, you don't find their humour all that funny. You don't find them offensive and you get their jokes, but they really make you laugh. So hands up for person A. Person B? Okay. Uh, okay, well, it obviously hasn't worked again. I'm supposed to get a, supposed to get a gender split there, but um, for males, okay, for males it's the second person, the person who laughs at all your jokes. So, in other words, for males, um, you know, we like people to laugh at our jokes, okay? Uh, for females, um, females like to be made to laugh. Might okay. they not just be pretending to find funny? Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> they might be, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's the kind of way it works. So, well, actually, when I went back and read that paper that came on Bressler, um, it did say that you know, we all like somebody to laugh at our jokes, but females especially like to be made to laugh. Okay, so that's the kind of way it works. Uh, yeah? Yeah, but the reason I think the second one is if I'm making some jokes and somebody's not laughing, it's going to make me feel socially awkward. It's going to, it's going to put tension in the atmosphere, but otherwise we wouldn't. Yeah, and what do you think? I feel like standing here. <laughs> <laughs> Not with a, with, a, with a population or a sample that's relatively high in academics. Could well be. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to go back and look at the paper and see what the sample was. I'm assuming students, you know, like I said, a social psychology journal. But, uh. Okay, anyway, the reason why, uh, or, or rather, <coughs> firstly, um, apparently, if you look at sort of your mixed sex dynamics of interactions, males and females, okay, you might want to do this at some stage. Uh, and the people are talking, okay, if, um, if you know, she's doing all, all the laughing, okay, they're talking and, and the, the female's laughing, okay, they're getting on great, okay, um, if the male is laughing a lot, then it's not going to happen, right, it's, it's not, you know. so that's the way it works, so it's the amount of laughter which is um, sort of produced by the female as opposed to the amount of laughter produced by the male which is more predictive of sexual interest. <laughs> the, reason, the reason why, um, at least the evolutionary reason why, is because for, for guys, okay, if you can produce humour, okay, and that doesn't mean that you have to go back tonight and look at your, you know, your book of dad jokes and you sort of get <laughs> that, okay, it's the kind of humour, it's the kind of sort of spontaneous, uh, sort of witty humour, okay, which is apparently is indicative of what we call creative intelligence, okay, if you're creatively intelligent, okay, then you've got good genes, if you've got good genes, then yes. Then females want to reproduce with you because you've got good genes. Sorry, why is that not attractive the other way around? Why is it not attractive the other way around? Yes, there are women with kids and females. Why is that not attractive? <laughs> <laughs> because men, I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming from, for, for, for men, in the evolution, it's, it's kind of a numbers game, isn't it? So it doesn't really matter. We're not looking for necessities of that. Females have to be, females, no, in, 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 in most of females have to be very, very choosy, don't they? You can't just sort of, you know, have children with anybody because you might end up uh, you're having having children with the wrong person. Okay, so you have to be very choosy. Men don't have to be choosy, do they? Necessarily. Females have to sort of you know, be pregnant for nine months, and you know, uh, you only have a sort of finite number of children in your life. Men can have a lot, lot more, so we don't have to be so choosy. So we, we I guess, you know, we're saying that we don't really, you know, it doesn't really matter so much. Okay, it's more a numbers game. Um, that's, the, that's the kind of evolutionary exp uh, explanation, uh, that, um, and also that females who have uh, witty um, uh, partners tend to respect them more, have more sex, rate them uh, more highly, and so on and so forth. 
Okay. Just addressing from that, the evolutionary sort of um, stance on that says that you know you need to be sort of witty, you need to sort of you know uh, produce this sort of spontaneous, um, intelligent humour. But um, there's a lot of evidence as well that sort of you know uh, men who crack jokes and it just crashes and it's it's terrible. Okay, and the, you know you tell jokes and it's embarrassing. Doesn't matter. Okay, still are attractive to females. Okay, uh, <laughs> apparently. Um, so there's hope. Um, it might be to do with the, you know that you know if you can stand up and, and, and you can sort of you know, tell a joke in a crowd. Okay, then it's sort of indicative as well that you you're confident. So another attractive trait for males is is, is confidence. Okay? So it might not just be that sort of you know. Uh, being witty, being humorous, being sort of you know, creative, intelligent, it might be as well to do with the next thing on my eyes. Being creative is another um, feature. Uh, there's a guy called Nicholas Kubrin from the University of Southern Brittany, I think he is. Um, uh, did a lot of fun uh, social psychology experiments, one of which was uh, to get uh, three. Oh, it's actually one, probably would be the same one, wouldn't it? One um, sort of male collaborator to sort of walk around town and um, solicit phone numbers from females. Okay? So if you go up and ask, can I, can I get you? you know, make some conversation, can I get your phone number? Okay, so the three conditions. Uh, in one condition, he carried uh, a guitar case. Okay. Another condition, he carried a sports bag. And the third condition, he just walked around on, on his own. Okay. In which condition do you think he was more successful? The guitar. The guitar. Well, guess <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, the guitar. So the guitar, yeah. So kind of suggesting that you know, you know, looking creative is is kind of more sexy than carrying a sports bag or uh, or just walking with nothing at all. Has anyone done that the other way around? With a woman carrying guitar. Not unaware. Why I can't. Again, I don't think. I'm sorry to be. It sounds like I'm sort of putting this one way, but for males. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, for males, you know, does really matter so much. Creative activities are um, uh, playing sport, um, taking a date on a spontaneous trip, recording music. Um, so my chance line is, you know, just after I finish my game of football and I record my album, I'll take you on a spontaneous trip. <laughs> um, so fourth of them is making a clever remark, aren't Writing um, music, performing a band, taking artistic photos. Um, the, the less creative ones are making a website, writing a computer program, uh, interior decorating. Uh, making ad campaigns, whatever that means, making clothes, everyday domestic items. Okay, so those are the kind of uh, things which are a less attractive for you. <laughs> but even from a evolutionary perspective, would it make sense for men to be more attractive to women with a sport bag as being more physically fit and healthier and capable of uh, going well, through pregnancy and having healthy It might do, but yeah. That's still, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's confirmed. Okay. You think that he's trying to sports bag? He might just be coming from the gym. Bit. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Good point. Okay. Yeah. In the interest of diversity, what are gay people doing? Oh, come to that. Can I come back here? Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, I knew, I knew that was going to... I knew it was kind of... That requires some longer on it. Okay, um, one of the other things which makes them, sorry, makes males uh, attractive, uh, apparently, is the, in the way we speak. Okay? Um, some researchers called uh, Anolian Chichere um, looked at... It's quite a small sample, I think about 30-odd, but they looked at um, male voices 
and um, the success these males had at securing second dates with, with females. And two sort of features and voices they noted was uh, firstly what they call vocal exhibition, okay, which was rather like if you've seen sort of uh, old episodes of Black Adder with, um, with Rick Mayo, he's playing Captain Flashheart or Lord Flashheart, and he comes into the room and he sort of you know takes over the room because he's got a big booming voice, that kind of that kind of voice. Okay, with the person, and then it was what they call the self-disclosure voice, which is when you're talking closely. Okay, you use that kind of. Um, Hello, darling. Deep, deep, soft voice, uh, such as that. So there's, a, there's a big booming sort of vocal exhibition, and then the uh, the self-disclosure voice. Okay, and um, there's also evidence as well to suggest that females find you know, these particular voice patterns more attractive again when they're ovulating than any other times of um, next thing I think on my list was, was movement, okay, so in terms of, uh, if you know anything about sort of, sort of body language, nonverbal communication, we talk about sort of gestures and postures, uh, males who exhibit, exhibit certain postures uh, tend to uh, secure more conversation with females that they're standing around, um, um, the kinds of gestures and postures are uh, what they call um, space maximization. Okay, so if you stand in the room, you, 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 you maximize the space. This is my kind of space. Um, I've got my own space here. Um, so, so the space maximization, um, it was non reciprocated touches. So, you know, males touching, just touching people on the shoulder and not being touched back. Okay, and what they called um, open body postures. Okay, so, in other words, this is a closed body posture. Okay, so open body postures, you know, sitting down with your legs open, your arms like this, that kind of, that kind of uh, stance. Okay. You can watch people on interviews on TV. And apparently, colour is also uh, you know, the colour you're wearing is um, uh, apparently seen as more or less attractive. And the colour uh, apparently you should be wearing is well, this is the so is red. Okay. So just coincidentally, have my red jumper. It is red. Uh, females, females apparently wearing red are more likely to be um, approached in bars than females wearing other colours. Okay. Um, might be kind of like an association, perhaps, with red. We associate red, do we not? With you know, we, there's lots of metaphors in terms of like you know, this red light district, or we send you know red hearts and things, or uh, uh, you know Valentine's Day primates. You know, um, you know again when they're in heat, uh, you know the genitals look a sort of bright shade of red. Um, you know, females paint their lips red, paint their nails red. So you know, red is the color. Red is apparently the color of attraction. Okay, so red is the color uh, color to wear. Um, and finally, um, arousal okay, is important in attraction. I don't mean arousal the you would be thinking. Okay, arousal um, is a um, study by Dutton and Aaron, and he's come across it. It's quite a famous one. Um, and what they did was to position uh, female researchers okay, at the end of two bridges. Okay? The first bridge was a fairly safe bridge going across a little stream. Okay? So you just walk across this bridge. Uh, the other bridge was a kind of rickety bridge, okay, across a gorge, okay, which sort of swayed in the wind a bit, okay. So what they did was to get, uh, they got males walking across each of these bridges, or when they walked across the bridges, they were approached by a female researcher at the end of the bridge, okay, who asked them a couple of sort of innocuous questions, okay, and then when the female uh, males walked off, okay, they were approached by other researchers who asked them how attractive they found the researchers at the end of the bridges, who just asked them those sort of fairly uh, innocent questions. Okay? 
the males who walked across the rickety bridge okay, reported that they found the female researcher more attractive than the males who walked across the street bridge. It's because the males who walked across the rickety bridge were, were a bit scared, okay, uh, they were aroused, and it's, it's what is called the excitation transfer effect. Okay, so that we, we become aroused, but we don't know why we're aroused. Okay, so what we do is kind of transfer that arousal onto the next sort of thing we see at the end of the bridge. <laughs> okay, so we're aroused because we're not, not, I don't, we're not sexually aroused, but we're just aroused, we're frightened aroused, okay, uh, and then we think, oh, uh, you know, what we see in there, we transfer that onto them. <clears throat> uh, so if, uh, you know, if you like somebody, then the obvious thing to do is to uh, take them on a, a fairly scary fairground ride, Okay, and then when you're at the top of some sort of you know loop, loop thing, okay, then you look at them and they'll find you more attractive just before they're going to do that loop loop thing than they, uh, they might in any other time. Okay? So if you're going to propose to somebody, then we do it there. I don't know. Okay, uh, finally I said, oh, it's be cool. um, I mentioned about online attraction, okay, uh, and is it possible to find somebody attractive online? Okay. Um, there have been reports that people uh, have said that they, they, they find people attractive online even though they've not even met them. I think that they, that, you know, in, uh, in dating scams, for example, you come across that idea of some dating scams where you know, scammers will uh, sort of get in touch with and set up spoof profiles, get in touch with people and um, you know, sort of interact with them online and the people who are interacting, the innocent your know, party, okay, report that they sort of like their online friend, okay, even though they're not even met them. Okay, they, they might have seen a picture and might think, yeah, but you know, would you really fall in love with a, a static picture? That's not so good. Um, uh, the reason being, possibly, is because what they're doing is getting people to disclose. Okay, so when you disclose information, when you when you talk about yourself a lot, and somebody talks about themselves back to you, okay, and there's fairly robust evidence to suggest that. Um, we like people more the more they disclose to us. So people will tell you little secrets, okay, or little, not secrets, but little bits of personal information, okay. Um, you like them more, okay, and you know you tell people things the more you like them, okay. So that's what they're trying to do is build up this kind of you know sort of I don't know if rapport is the correct word, but they're trying to build up this little sort of you know relationship with somebody by disclosing, okay. Uh, and there have been your reports, and we call it kind of like an, an online love illusion effect that people fall in love with people even though they're not even met. Okay? Which I guess can be, I guess, uh, disastrous if you're engaged in online dating and you, you, you try this and you, you think, oh, I'm getting on great with this person, and then you meet them and you think, oh, no. no. They were wrong. Okay. I think we don't bother. Uh, so thank you all very, very much for, for listening and for your attention. Uh, so um, I'll have a quick drink and you can ask some questions if you like. <laughs> I think when, when, we, when, when I said similar, okay, we, we, we like it to like people who have similar interests, perhaps. So who are similar sort of behaviourally, as opposed to how we, how we are. Yeah. Okay. Um, your smell is slightly different. Thing yeah. Now, I just it? mean, like, if, if, if there's someone who looks a lot like us, who behaves a lot like us, does that mean that we're 
there's a hard similarity that they are quite like us in general. Like they're, I mean, if, if, if we are the same in so many ways, which is encoded in our genes, but just not the immune system, that just seems weird to me. Oh, sure. I'm sure that um, you know um, the people we meet in life, the people we sort of um, you know partner with, um, much as uh, some people go up with shopping lists, something especially people who sort of online daters, um, you know, I want a person who does this, 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 and this. Okay, you know, we don't have everything, do we? We can't have everything, so we kind of do the best, <laughs> the best we can. But you know, we, and sometimes um, you know we have we 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 have lists of things which we think. Oh, um, I want this, this, this in the person. Okay, and then we meet someone and we think, oh no, like you know, or or you know, you look across the room and you think, oh yes, they're quite attractive, and then you talk to them and they've got you know really horrible squeaky voices and all that. <laughs> so you know, th th there are many aspects to attraction, aren't there? Uh, and we just try and maximise you know as many as we can, like, I guess. Yeah. I just wondered what a good immune system smells like. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think it's a good immune system, it's a, um, uh, an immune system which is complementary, so it's a kind of different one, so that the offspring we produce have robust immune systems rather than weak ones. If, if, you know, if, um, if we were to um, reproduce the people with very, very, you know, sort of, well, in our, in our families or with very, I don't know much about the genetics, but you know, very sort of similar genetic makeup, then our offspring are going to be weak, aren't they? So what we want is sort of that bit of diversity. Robust in terms of your environment, isn't it? So if you go, if you went somewhere else, you wouldn't survive in the same way as someone who's to that environment. No, it was to do with the food. So in certain times of the year, in that particular area, was very little food, and other areas was lots of leafy greens. So it was just what the mother ate during the gestation yeah, yeah. made the child strong. But the study you are facing is more. In my family, we have a weakness in our in my immune system, and I come across a meal that has happened to have an immune system running in his family that's very strong in that specific part, then that will make this guy more attractive to me. So it, I don't think it's more like, a, it's more like if you have certain diseases running in your family, um, that indicates a low yeah. immune system or weaker immune system to that specific things and those yeah. you're attracted to those that have the opposite that. Okay. Not yeah. like an overall yeah. Please don't everyone go off and be too high up on immune systems because there's plenty of people out there. Okay, can we catch the next gentleman? Uh, you've mentioned some experiments which involve asking people about what they would do hypothetically, like showing this person would you have sex with them. Uh, are they reliable given the, the weight of cultural conditioning and how it differs between genders? So, in kind of the shag, marry, avoid 
There's <laughs> 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 five options in the five guys. Well, maybe oh, yeah. one thinks, well, I'd shag all of those guys. But it's been taught from early on that sort of slut shame, you have to use, you know, most women don't say that. Whereas a straight man has been taught from an early age to say, I do her and I do her and I do her. Mm-hmm. So that's telling something, something about culture. <laughs> Rather than about genes or, or something, or, or about actual behaviour. Well, it's, it's certainly culturally specific, because one of the examples I gave was a man backing the rug. Um, in many cultures, there wouldn't be rugs or backing things, would there? So that wouldn't, for a start, those kind of behaviours would not exist in, in certain cultures. But the culture's encouraging people not to be honest about what they would do in situations with people. Yes, how do you know that people yeah. don't just give you the answer they think they should? Exactly, that's the question. Mm. Thank you. Mm. How do you know that people don't um, just do the thing? Or, uh, I don't know, what well, yeah, they, they, uh, they don't lie. Okay, the, 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 true, true. There's a lot of problem in, in Psychological research, isn't there, with, with you know, sort of self-reporting and you know, sort of what we call social desirability responses. Um, but what would be socially desirable about saying I would, um, I would you know, marry somebody who's interacting with a... Maybe somebody's back in the room, it's pretty good too. So, yeah. I, don't, I, mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think you know, there's, there's lots of studies which are flawed on that basis. Um, I don't know if that one is so much um, you know, prone to sort of social desirability as, as many other types. Okay. You did yeah. say you'd come back to gay people. What? You did say you'd come back to gay people. Oh, right, yeah. Right, so what was, what was the question on gay people? That's all the research you've been told to be straight. Yeah, yeah. So just as an interesting hypothesis, if men, if men like women who laugh at the jokes, does that mean the two gay men constantly fall out because they're weak creatures? Maybe. <laughs> okay, that's a difficult question to answer. Uh, and firstly, the, I'd say there's lots of facets to attraction as well as you know um, the very kind of simplistic sort of David Buss explanation, um, which is what I tried to illustrate with my little sort of joke earlier on. Okay, so that's that's you know sort of very heterosexual in what males and what females want. Okay, there's lots of other lots of other factors, lots of other aspects in, in attraction, lots of sort of individual differences between people and what they report as being attractive. And I, I I'm, I'm not going to volunteer answering this myself, but I would say what the evolutionary psychologist would say is that regardless of sexual orientation, males are biologically male, females are biologically female. Okay, so what they want is determined by their biology. Not by their, uh, by their, you know, uh, sexual preferences. I can't think of anything on um, attraction right now, but there have been studies on jealousy. Okay, um, if I can just digress a little bit. Okay, um, in terms of jealousy, okay, um, there's a very good sort of interaction with males and females in what they find uh, what makes them jealous between uh, what's called sexual jealousy and emotional jealousy. Okay, in that males get more jealous of a partner's sexual jealousy. Females get more jealous of a partner's emotional jealousy. And there's good sort of evolutionary explanation for that as well, in that if you're if you're a male and your partner was sexually unfaithful, okay, that would sort of um, sort of compromise your you know, sort of paternal certainty, okay, because of that you might as a male end up rearing a child which was your own, that would be you know great cost. You wouldn't want to do that. Now females, emotional infidelity is more of a threat because back in our evolutionary past, if um, your sort of male partner um, became sort of involved on a long-term basis with another female, that would threaten and compromise the survival of a female. Okay? Uh, anyway, so come back to your question. <coughs> In terms of jealousy, so I said that males um, were jealous of sexual infidelity, females were jealous of emotional fidelity, and that effect still exists apparently um, with um, sort of, you know, people who have sort of homosexual practices as opposed to heterosexual ones. 
So the evolution of consciousness would say, you know, we're, we're biology, and we're biology female, regardless. Do you have yeah. any evidence that show that uh, men and women are maybe biologically supposed to be different? But I, I believe that what our future is showing is that women are starting to behave the way the way men the way the way men, men behave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe all of those researches were made based on the future, not biology. In fact, maybe we all tend to be the same at the end. What do you believe about? Okay. Well, uh, <coughs> can I answer your question with two things? Firstly, um, that kind of jealousy difference I just described there. Is, is, is a fairly sort of robust effect, okay, when, when you know, busted that in the United States. When you take that to Europe, okay, the effect sort of is slightly more diluted. When you take it to the Far East, it disappears altogether, okay? So it is a very culturally specific effect for some reason, okay? So it might not be biologically based. And you were saying as well, I think what you were saying was that, you know, um, today and for, for many years, okay, females don't, you don't need males anymore, you need males, you know, you could kind of lock us all up and, you know, Get out of the cupboard for sex and reproduction, and you can manage on your own because females today are independent, and you, know, you don't need males to be your know, breadwinner as you, you did years ago. Is that what you where you going with that? Is that the kind of thing you're saying that females are kind of changing in society? Yes, maybe maybe everything is cultural, and in the end, we all tend to behave the same. It's not uh, biological. Well, okay. Um, <coughs> the, 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 there is evidence to support what you're saying in terms of sort of culture. Okay. That now, you know, females. There are a couple of studies which have come out lately, which say that you know, females are reporting that um, you know they want males uh, with good genes, but they don't necessarily want males who are going to, you know, provide for them. Okay, so they're not those kind of priorities, are not as high on the list as they might have been years ago. So that that's a suggestion that there's a sort of you know a cultural influence there, isn't it? Yeah, um, I guess it's kind of similar to a couple of things you've asked. So if you're doing a study where you observe how people behave, say, you know, Things I think it's like um, Hans Isaac said about Freud that you know, was it um, explains everything but predicts nothing. Okay. So which isn't you know great science is it? Um, so and I think we're kind of saying that this happens. Therefore the explanation is is this. Okay, but you need to follow that up, wouldn't you? I think what you're saying so is, like, is, 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 is that is it usually there's an explanation. This type to you know. I think if the observation occurs so many times in different different studies, then we can reasonably assume that that you know that's uh, an explanation, we not. Um, but what if you know might turn it upon about society? You know, we, you know, show the same results. Does it happen that people test that the evolutionary one is correct? That, that it's a biological What's the, are there tests for that? Like well, if we've got two hypotheses and one is sort of loosely saying there's a biological 
sort yeah. of um, prediction of one is linked to a sort of social one. If the evidence supports the biological one, then is it not reasonable to assume that we can go with that one? I, yeah, I suppose I'm asking if sort of evidence supports one above the other, apart from something like around menstrual cycles, is that kind of the only one, or what are there things which you look at? Um, all I can say, there's a lot, there's a lot of evidence, uh, um, what, in terms of female preference change over the course of menstrual cycle? Yeah, yeah. so obviously that, that has sort of been biological and social, but what other things would you maybe look at? I don't know, isn't that good enough to say that it changes? Yeah, well, sure, but obviously like, does that happen in every study? Uh, does that happen in every study? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Females, their purposes are changing, as the point was made earlier. Yes. Yeah. Somewhere. Uh, I was wondering, does that, can that coincide with becoming a girl control, as in females with less biological inclined, or less independent of the male, because they don't have to get pregnant all the time? Um, can you see a difference there in like, psychological research, or is it too soon to tell if this makes a difference in female preferences? So is it too soon, are you saying, is it too well, soon? I'd, I'd say it's too soon, sorry, that a lot of female preferences are about genes and babies and stuff, mm -hmm. but then if you can prevent from getting the baby, which is what birth control is doing, yeah. um, does that change female preferences more towards male-style preferences, as in, as long as it looks good, I'm fine with this. So you're saying that if females don't have children, yeah, say so that you take the children away, you yeah. have birth control, so you don't get pregnant. Do female preferences become more like males? As in, oh, okay. Situations the same. Which part of the test doesn't culture? It's the general. One thing it does do, apparently, when I talk about smell, is that um, I read recently that uh, females taking birth control uh, contraception um, <laughs> um, sort of. Most guys will smell nice to them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's how it went, right? something like that. So, so it would you change, change that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. More of a maybe observation, maybe clarification. So, talking about whether or not things might have a biological basis or a cultural basis. Mm -hmm. So, if I'm a psychologist, I admit, not in this area of psychology. But often, if we're trying to prove whether or not something works in a model that we've done with humans. We could do it in ways which you can't fake. So you can't really fake how much of the smell you like. That's fairly biologically determined. Yeah. Uh, you also tend not to have faking if you study rats, primates, and if you look for the same kind of patterns going on in those kind of studies, that's where you can be more confident in saying you've seen some kind of evolutionary trait that's been passed through lots of different animal models, as you'd say. So I'm just asking for a clarification. Is the work that you're talking about backed up by those kind of comparative studies? Are you more confident to saying yes, it is actually biological, really quite stable trait that does have an evolutionary uh, heritage? That's an yeah, excellent point. Like, so you're saying that if there's comparative studies on sort of primates, for example, that would support the sort of biological um, angle? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, um, I don't know how you would maybe you, <laughs> you, 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 you sort of primates to how, how would that work in, in terms of what, what males and females are kind of looking for in a well, For example, if you saw that male primates were more promiscuous, 
then you could argue that the behaviours we see in men okay. being um, more likely to want to sow their wild oats, you know, that, that would actually be some kind of backup of the idea that there is this yeah. biological difference in behaviour. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I guess you could counter that by saying that on comparative studies, that you know other even sort of closely related animals don't behave the same as humans. So they might they might for example, um, I don't know I, I know nothing about it, but your know, primates might have like what they do, they have a sort of a dominant male who has several females and other males um, you know don't get looking at them. So it's the one dominant male in the in the in the group, okay, which has all the sex and the others, you know, get get very little. On that point, would you not be assuming that like the apes don't have culture themselves with their hearing? Well, then you would study, for example. So I don't want to. This is it's not my talk. It's later. Um, so the um, the culture has been observed with animals too. That's right. So we talk about the cows having the accents across the UK, for example. Well, yeah, yeah, fair suit. Good singing different accents. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. I, 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 all I would say is that, that primates do, do have to, you know, we live in a kind of, um, you know, sort of, most, most people look in a sort of monogamous way, don't we? We, you know, we partner up, um, you know, potentially for life with one partner um, in primate sort of, um, what would you call it? Behavior in groups, they, 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 they don't. And, you know, there's, they, they act in groups, they're not. Even when they do, there are some primates that are monogamous, but actually, research has shown that the females cheat on the husbands, which are not husbands. So you've got humans, yeah. right, which are monogamous, but actually the females will sleep with and um, have children with other males. Well, that's kind of, and I'm not condoning it, a good thing, isn't it? Because it makes for genetic sure. diversity. Because Which is why it's good yeah. for their immune system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes a genetic diversity in the population. If the, if they all had you know children with one male, then the option would you know down the line be equal enough. I'm not entirely sure about the primates cheating thing. It's like yeah, I I might be told it depends on the primates. Yeah, exactly. But I, I call them different troops. If it was um, if there might have been one female cheating on cheating on their male. Meat, then it become more rampant and it's kind of like, a, like oh, well, she's doing it, I'm going to do it. But if, it, if they stayed faithful, then they didn't see the example and they would remain faithful. Again, I don't know if that has any data behind it because I'm not a super great. That sounds really interesting. Sounds like a cultural effect, right? I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, it is interesting. To kind of attributes and traits and things, is there a like so? For example, in education, one of the key traits in order to be successful is grit and determination. <coughs> is there any things that stand out like key traits that um, the opposite sex find attractive? For example, so it could be like grit and determination, etc. Yeah, and well, studies so shown that. So the grit and determination I think is attractive mm -hmm. uh, in males. Can a female find you know, determination, ambition, that kind of thing? Um, it's been more attractive than somebody's not. So yes, definitely. There are certain yeah, certain, certain traits like that, um, which are kind of linked to you want you you know, kind of explanation. <laughs> could be, could be. Um, but you know, someone with that sort of grit, determination, ambition is more likely to succeed. Therefore, is more likely to provide. So somebody's not ambitious. Um, there's a lot of you know a lot of money. Um, 
you know, you, you don't have such a good quality of life. We've done it really. Uh, uh, but a few um, studies have found contrast effects. So okay. if there are two people who look similar, but one slightly more attractive than the other, then being there at the same time, the attractive one look more attractive and the other one look less attractive by contrast. And that's, so there's been a few experiments along those lines, and that seems to contradict what you're saying about if you're a five, have a, have a six, because you absorb the oh, right. attractiveness. So what, what, what was the one you said, sorry? It's a contrast effect yes. if two people yes, look yes. similar. Mm-hmm. But one is more attractive than the other. Yeah. The, the, if, the, if you see that at the same time, the difference is exaggerated, so the more attractive sure. person looks more attractive. So mm-hmm. if you want to be, people to be attracted to you, hang around with people who look like you. Or, yeah, I don't, and I also said that the effect was last, you know, not very long. Okay, so if you but, to, but it seems you're talking about the, the, I've th- I've told the effect in a different direction. I was talking about men hanging on with women who are attractive, and that kind of the, the, the effect is supposed to be to do with what we call um, uh, sort of pre-proved, pre-proved males. Okay? So it's, you know, it's looking like, uh, you know, you, you <laughs> the tip is maybe like three or four, not like 20 or 30, because that just looks makes you look like a bit of a, um, I won't say the word, it's hard, it's like that, but, you know, um, but, you know two, two or three or four is, is okay. So, you know, makes you look like you've got kind of some experience, but, you know, not, not too much. Is there any studies on age? Age? Yeah. Good question. Um, so I think where you're going with that is that uh, when you get past the age of um, having children, okay, those things don't apply, do they? That kind of evolutionary sort of, uh, um, sort of perspective and reflection would not, would not apply. Okay. Wouldn't for women? Um, well, um, well, I think the evidence seems to suggest that as males get older, okay, um, they look for younger and younger females. So they're still looking, maybe, not they're going to, but looking at potential reproduce, looking for younger females who, um, who are potentially able to, to, to reproduce. What about the other way around? Don't know. Um, I don't know. I can only really answer that by, you know, having sort of spoken to um, several more elderly ladies. Um, who say that the, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine we've gone to the pub. Yeah. 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 What are you doing tonight, Dave? Yeah. Um, no. Um, who said, you know, you know, there's still that kind of lust, I guess, for, 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 for your relationship, regardless. So. Even though, even though they're, they're, they're unable to um, have children, they still, you know, still want sex. men have not been simulated to be with many women, because of course uh, uh, women have been through that in many different cultures, but I don't know any culture in which men have been uh, like, oh, you shouldn't be with many women. Maybe the maybe church could say that, but not other men. So it's socially acceptable for males to be lots of females and not the other way around. They would be stimulated to be loyal, uh, to be faithful, not to stay with many women. Do you know any culture that stimulates that? That. Well, that males have lots of wives. Yes, I, I, I'm asking you a few because I don't know. I, I don't know any culture in which men are not stimulated somehow. To be with many women. So you think most cultures are? Is that yes. yes. Do you know anyone, anyone that has not a different? 
Well, certainly in Western cultures, it's socially acceptable, isn't it, to be with several women? It's socially acceptable. Yeah, it's the other way around. Yeah, I think that's the other way around. Well, we're going to, you know, in, in, in Western culture, we are supposed to be monogamous, aren't we? What, what we are or not is another matter, but, you know, that's the kind of act we, that's the kind of act we uh, go with. But we, you know, don't walk around going, hey, I've got, you know, I've got a wife, I've got two girlfriends again, but, you know, I think the question might have been, are there any cultures in which the male would ordinarily just walk on with them, or is it just a standard thing which is possibly more biological right. than man's want more than necessarily more women in their lifetime? Mm, yeah, okay. Once more women. Yeah, yeah. I mean. mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not an anthropologist, so I don't know. Well, I might go on with that. I would say in the UK, right. we sort of uphold the valour and honesty, and you know when a Romeo in the media cheats on his female, it's always a love rat plastered all over the papers. So I would say in the UK, in the still a lot to be in London. There's still a lot to be in London. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Details of our upcoming events can be found at our website, www.oxfordcybar.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Oxford Cybar and on Facebook, British Science Association, Oxfordshire Branch.